listeners, we are part of Adelphi's finest social work cohort, also known as Adelphi Students for Change. My name's Melissa. Hey everyone, Ricardo Roden. Mona Whitaker. Lauren Bear. Victoria Urquia. Evan Lewis. Renishian. And I'm Professor Peggy Noel. So I wanted to start off with um, some facts and then we can get into discussion. We're discussing mass incarceration today. So in 1986, according to the Federal Department of Transportation, there were 23,990 deaths related to drunk driving. Now in that same year, 1986, um, according to the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, there were 4,187 deaths that were drug related. So we see a big contrast in drugs and uh, deaths relating to drunk driving and deaths related to drugs. However, in 1988, Congress passed the new Anti-Drug Abuse Act, which imposed a mandatory minimum sentence of five years. So before that, the minimum sen- the maximum sentence at that time was um, only one year for possession of any amount of drug. So my question that I'm posing is, what do you think was the motive behind this rogue anti-drug abuse act that Congress passed? Because I think it's directly related to um, mass incarceration. You gotta ask Biden that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, to appropriate appropriate funds, I mean, this was a huge movement, um, the anti-drug abuse act. It was a huge, movement passed by um, legislation and um, it basically triggered them to start cracking down on, um, well, literally cracking down on uh, crack cocaine. Um, But that was basically the movement that um, initiated many drug busts um, and and, and incarcerating thousands of uh, black, uh, black men. Is this the, is this the, I don't know what you call that, the act that then um, started him detailing the, and creating the 94 crime bill? It, it um, built up to that itself. So it started way in Ronald Reagan administration. When you remember yeah. the campaign saying no to drugs with him and Nancy Reagan, his wife, yeah. with the state of no to drugs. Yeah. So basically what Melissa is trying to, um, convey here on the podcast is basically um, we it end up a, a, a serious issue in the black community crack crack itself way before crack came to the scene there was there was um, there was cocaine which was considered a rich person drugs itself mm-hmm. however I just recently watched a documentary because I know we was going to um, do the podcast on mass castration it's on Netflix called crack that's the name of the documentary and then they explain how people knew in the black community how to make crack. So basically what they were saying with that is the CIA dropped the crack to devastate the black community. And in return, it becomes what we start to see with mass incarceration itself. This is similar to when the CIA dropped heroin into Watts, right? In LA. Correct. correct. Following um, due to yep. the uprise of the Black Panther Party mm-hmm. in the 60s. Yep. Yeah, I mean... So what, 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 what we see is that they, you know, they criminalize behavior. So like the behavior of, of, uh, of doing um, crack cocaine is, is, was criminalized because we know who usually, who um, 
use you know crack or who a crack is associated okay. with what happened with the bill i think um because there was a lot of money going into prisons i mean it was a it's a business right so how do we get um bodies you know in this in, the, in these prisons and decriminalize behaviors so that's what happened with with uh with this bill yeah so let's go it's funny that uh Ricardo mentioned ask biden because I was watching the documentary and he was really there as well when they was passing those bills, him and um, Chuck Schumer. And I was like, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, it's comical seeing these guys, you know what I'm saying? And now today, is, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, that I don't get mixed up in politics, honestly. I'm sorry. Chuck Schumer is the, our new majority leader. Right. Correct, correct. You guys got to watch it. You, gotta, you guys got to watch um, the, the documentary. So we're talking about majority leader Chuck Schumer and President-elect um, Joe Biden, who were parts of creating these acts that support the incarceration of predominantly Black and brown people. Don't forget and, Clintons. And, 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 and Vice President Kamala Harris, who was... <laughs> was and Vice fact. President... <laughs> well, I wouldn't say Kamala Harris, because what's the state she was overseeing? Uh, California. California. Yeah. So, of course, who coming in and when, when they are do the major arrests? So that's her job, really. So you really can't, she ain't doing the arresting, you know what I'm saying? What's the state where she was, where she located when she oversee as a, as a prosecutor there? So it's like, being a, any, any of us in, that, in her position, we'd have that high numbers because those are the numbers coming in itself because they're arresting the white person, unfortunately, was the black and brown. <laughs> So let's talk about mass incarceration. So we have all of these bills that support and promote the push of black and brown people. And now what? Business. And now there are they are they've become the highest elected officials in our country and we voted for them. Mm-hmm. Biden and Kamala admitted. Black women, black people are the reason why they're in the office. Mm -hmm. So the same people that, um, again, wrote the acts and the bills to support the incarceration of black and brown people were voted in and owed their, <clears throat> owed their positions to black and brown people. So what do we say, what, what, what does that mean for mass incarceration now, back then and now going forward? I mean, Biden got to write some wrong. He got a lot of wrongs to write because um, he did a, a lot. He's a career politician, so he's, you know, he was part of you know the whole cages with the with the kids, and now he's he's part of this um, mass incarceration crime bill um, and a lot of other like stuff. So he got he got a lot of um, wrongs to write. So it'll be an interesting four years. What are what are our expectations? I'd hopefully, hopefully some reforms itself. You know, back to the topic of mass incarceration. Why mass incarceration started? That's the question we had to ask ourselves. Why it started? So basically, like, I know Melissa read the, the, the text as well. Um, it's the new Jim Crow mm -hmm. from Michelle Rodriguez. She's an activist as well. And she wrote in her, in her, in her text 
you know, in this book, the new Jim Crow, that why massing one of the reasons for mass incarceration is, is a is a big business itself. And it started way back when slaves were free. Okay. They had laws that were passed called vagrant laws. Like if they just get free from the, the plantation, they have nowhere to stay. So basically was, these whites were wrongling them back up and arresting them to go back in because they, they call it a vagrant law itself was, was enacted at that time after the, um, slavery was abolished. Can you explain what the vagrant law is a little bit more? So vagrant law is basically stating you have no place to stay. So if they saw you, they're like, hey, Peggy, where you living? Uh, I know where to stay. Okay, come with me. Boom, and they snatch you and you're going. And where are you going? Back to back that plantation to oh, work back okay. the field. Because remember, after the slavery abolished, who was going to work the field? The white man wasn't going to work the field. No. So it's blacks, they had to go back again. So it, it come back again. So it come back, it trickled down, trickled down, and it, history keep repeating itself. So we come back now to President Nixon when he started with the law and order. From Nixon, come down straight to Reagan. Can we go back a little bit, even before Nixon, Reconstruction? Right. That, 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 that era as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jim Crow. And Jim then, Crow, correct, yep. Right, and yep. then Nixon, and then uh-huh. what was... Reagan. Reagan. Into Bush, into Clinton. And Clinton escalated. How did Clinton es- escalate it? Ricardo just stated mass incarceration. They built in prisons, privatized uh-huh. prisons right throughout the country. Uh, some of the clothes we wear and some of the clothes you ladies wear from Victoria's Secret. This person is making those things. Even, even the army uniforms, um, a lot of army uniforms also. Mm. I, mean, it's, I mean, it's literally written in like the constitution. Like we, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen the 13th and how it's like literally written that, mm-hmm. that you know, slavery is, is um, abolished unless um, you are convicted of a crime. So, um, so obviously we're going to, lock up all these people criminalized behavior lock up all these people because then you guys are like you guys are slaves again right and um they did it through um you know through the um correctional uh, facilities but that's just basically what it is uh so it's literally written in our constitution so but it's like the the amount of the amount of time that they was getting for you know for drug possession was like it's just like well yeah because you long sentences that these that these young men were getting is just crazy and then of course labeled as a felon so what happens after they come out you know yeah those bodies are worth a lot of money um so so that's why you know longer sentence when you look at um the sentences between crack and cocaine uh people who were uh convicted of crack had longer sent probably two three there was a big disparity before 2010 Uh, so we know that it was a clear targeting of, of black and brown folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Melissa mentioned earlier, like the alcohol versus the drug offenses versus the alcohol offenses and the, the amount of deaths that amounted from both of those, you can tell that there were stricter laws on, on drug-related crimes versus driving while drunk. The same with heroin too, only in the last like five to 10 years that we started treating heroin as a social problem that should be met with empathy. And that's because there are more white men having heroin problems. Yeah, white men and white women, right? Let's not forget the housewives who start with the pills and then uh, slowly increase into heroin. In in that same, the the new Jim Crow book, 
I was reading that it said African-Americans served as much time for the nonviolent drug offenses as violent offenses um, that, you know, committed by whites. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a huge, a huge difference, you know, we see, I mean, this is documented, a huge difference in the amount of time served by somebody who was white for a violent crime, murder, as opposed to a drug offense. Yeah. And I mean, this, we're talking about voting and, and what happens to those felons, right? When they come out, they can't vote. Yeah. So felony, felony disenfranchisement is also a thing, um, which is an, another tactic of, of locking these, uh, these, these bodies up is to, to take away their vote. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another thing. I think 6 million um, sentencing projects said 6 million people still um, can't vote most are who are, are, are black and, and brown folks. So that's, that's, I, I also think that's, that was designed. Um, Definitely. And, Even the election in 2000 um, in Florida, there were over 600,000 African-American can vote. Mm -hmm. Check how much, check how much Al Gore lost the election by. Over 500 mm -hmm. to Bush, the state of Florida. Um, have a difficult time finding a stable, you know, well-paying job. So they encounter discrimination um, in the labor market as well. So then what happens? They go back to, you know, if they have children, they have to provide for, or, you know, I mean, just provide it for themselves. They're going to go back to what? They're going to be tempted to go back to the fast money, mm -hmm. you know, which is it's going to land them back where <laughs> recycled back where back in back in prison right no. I, would, I, would, I always wondered like should you know felons should they be able to vote though I, like what do you, you guys think about? do you know that there are some there, there are some states that allow prisoners to vote from prison like they still they still can vote. I have to look on the, because I have a, a, a sheet by, by state, and we can give that information after class. I mean, after, um, after the podcast, I'm sorry. Um, but there's a, there's a sheet by state that, that, that states um, felons' rights according to voting, because we've been hearing forever, all felons can't vote, all felons can't vote. And that's just a rumor. And we've been, we've been carrying that through generations, and people just assume that they can't vote once they're felon, and then they don't try. Yeah, so, very um, but in New York State, they can't, right? I mean, where we are, they can't. Mm -mm. So, I mean, why would they not be able to vote? They're still U.S. Americans. They're American citizens. I, I feel that. Why can't they vote? Because the laws are pertaining to some of the things that they may have issues about. So why would they not be able to vote? I feel, personally, they should be able to vote. Everyone should be able to vote. After or while, while locked up or after? While locked up. They should find a way. I work at an at a, at a agency, I think I told you before, where our individuals are developmentally disabled. They're able to vote. Mm -hmm. They don't even understand. Some of them don't even vote. Yep. understand what, who they're voting for, what they're voting mm -hmm. They're allowed to vote. Some of these men have, may have degrees. May have, they should be able to vote. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. And I agree. I could attest with you, Adam, Mona, because what were you getting incarcerated innocently? Mm -hmm. How many... People of color in prison being incarcerated innocently. 
So that right, so that's taken away. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I agree with you what you're saying, you know? Yeah. Even some people who are sitting in prison or jails, they haven't even been convicted of a crime. They're just awaiting trial. Like, why can't they be allowed to vote? They haven't even been convicted of a crime. Yeah. And we, we must remember how the electoral votes work. Is they account for every human being incarcerated or not incarcerated. So those, their bodies count so that they can get the electoral, the numbers as an electoral body, but <laughs> um, they cannot still um, process their votes because of the felonies that are against them. So back to, um, back to our topic of mass incarceration, in the text we read, she said there's nothing have contributed more to systematic mass incarceration of people of color in the United States more than the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Now, my question of the war on drugs, to make crack, you gotta bring cocaine. How the cocaine came in this country? Blacks they own no plane of boat. I mean, we, how, the cocaine, how the cocaine come into this country? I mean, cocaine was used, they was using cocaine to fund wars. In, 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 right, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, and how it ended up in our black community, how it ended up there, it's, it's, it's all about a systematic, I don't know. I give up with the system. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there, yeah, there's clear, there's clear um, discrepancies um, when you look at the laws, when you look at um, the criminal justice system. When you look at everything, it, it's clearly that it was, it was we were t uh, black and brown folks was targeted from the very beginning. Um, so, even the mafia too, what like targeted uh, the black man? They told called them beasts and all. The, even Donald Trump was a part of that during the time of um, the war on drugs and everything. He was open open about giving. Uh, the men from the Central Park Five, the death penalty for a crime they didn't even commit because they were black. Yeah, oh yeah, the super predator. Super um, predators, they call them. <laughs> super predators. <laughs> that was Hillary Clinton as well. <laughs> yeah, Hillary Clinton, and she was one. She was she was someone that we all had to vote for if you guys voted that way. Like so, like it's just funny how these this is all coming back. These same people. Um, who write these bills and call us these these names? We have the to... chickens are coming home to roost. So now, what you know, do we do? You know, what I told everyone. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I said to one of my close friends I work with. I said the only thing I like about Donald Trump, he's transparent. At least I know where he stands. Yeah. 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 So, Melissa. Um, What you heard, my aunt? <laughs> oh no, I thought you were going. You were going to say something. Sorry. No, he said. He said at least something. I just said aunt. <laughs> I did hear your aunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just let me just say. Remember, we were talking about um some states that they never lose the right to vote even while incarcerated. Those states are Maine and Vermont. And who's predominantly living in Maine and Vermont? What? <laughs> <laughs> Black man going to the coal. <laughs> there's a few. There's a few out there. There's a there are a few, but predominantly those are seen yeah. to have people that don't look like you and I. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
mean, even even looking at um like you know speaking of mass incarceration, like the you know the prison, uh, the school to prison pipelines, and how um these policies is created, um, you know, harsh harsh tactics, physical restraints. I mean, I went to a school where I had to go do metal detector every day. I I had to deal with um school safety and truancy and stuff like that. And I you know I've been in cuffs in in um in high school. So like that's just preparing you um to to be in the system and and be uh what's that word um it's not coming to me but it it just preparing you to 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 be to to be a part of the correctional facility uh, the correctional system and like i feel like you know getting arrested is just traumatic but like they're basically saying that's your future you know and um getting you prepared for that so even that from high school, they they could predict literally. There's predictors of of someone and when they'll be locked up and and how many years that they that they're gonna do based on their demographics. So all these policies are are literally there, um, and and targeted a, a specific community. It's crazy you say that because um, in high school we would also have to walk through. Um, like metal detectors and whatnot, they'd go through our book bags. But I always looked at it as like a way that they were protecting us. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, who, who, I mean, who are doing the shootings? I mean, has, has a shooting ever happened in your school? Like, you know what I mean? Like, has anyone came and ever shot up your school? So, not. yeah, so when we look at that, no, there's no risk of us. That's a good point, Ricardo. That's a that's definitely a good point. I mean, it's something we all know, but I never looked at it like that. That's really a good point. Yeah. So. It's not meant for you to look at it like that. It's meant for you to <laughs> not think about it like that, right? Because the reality is, is that when we talk about gun control, and I know that we're moving, I'm going to bring it back to mass incarceration. But when we when you look at gun gun control is when these mass shootings happen. But in those schools where the mass shootings, um, which is suburbia, right? Usually in suburbia, where, the, where there are no, um, generally no um, metal detectors, then, you, you know, we, we talk about gun control and those, because kids are being killed and that's, that it's just like shot down. But then we want to control the guns in the hood and, quote unquote the hood. And so and so and the hood is not having those issues. But yeah, it's problematic. So back to mass incarceration in that same vein, um, if we even even if we think about the war on drugs, is there is there an opportunity for these folks that are now in office at the highest office at that to atone for those laws that they've written and upheld in a way to target a specific group of people. What are our expectations of, you know, I know that COVID is, is his number is Biden's number one um, project for the first hundred days, but are there any expectations on addressing this issue around mass incarceration? I know they've been expunging like 
marijuana um, records and stuff like that, which is good. Um, I, I, I think Biden is, is, is leaning more towards legalizing marijuana. So like, you know, investing in, in black communities and, and, you know, making sure they have a, a voice and, and, and can profit off of marijuana now that it's legal um, is, a, is a step, I guess, in the right direction. Is it legal? Coming in new. Is it? Is there a memo? Is there a memo on this? It's it's coming. It's coming based on. <laughs> it's, okay, it's marijuana is one. I will I will agree that decriminalizing drug offenses are a big deal. You are going to always have, um, especially minor drug offenses. You have to kind of you. I mean, drug dealers, right? Depending on where they're at on the scale of drug yes. dealing, I mean, would always have to get in, would always get in trouble, but, you know, like the light, the lightweight people, I guess, um, should, should be, there should be more leniency and more empathy around their crimes. Is that what we're saying? So a guy who holds, I don't know what the weight classes are. I'm thinking of a Jay-Z song right now <laughs> versus, <laughs> versus uh, you know, a higher, a higher. Um, there should be more, um, you know, like they offer drug rehabilitation. Like if you have possession of a small amount, um, you know, there should be offers of drug uh, rehabilitation on the table instead of, um, you know, these long extensive sentences. I mean, now, now that exists because of the um, opiate crisis. Mm -hmm. um, crisis. <laughs> but, you know, before that wasn't, a, you know, that wasn't a thing. So, I, you know. Yeah, I, as social workers, obviously we have to look at it from a mental health perspe um, perspective. So I, I think uh, people who are addicted to drugs are, it's, I, for me, I think it's a, we look, should look at it as a, an addiction as opposed to a criminal behavior. I think um, on a on a, a higher scale, we, that's how we should be looking at it. Uh, that's how we should be prosecuting these these cases. So should social workers be in the courtrooms? Definitely. On a micro level, I can see like working one to one with people who are working who are in who are using drugs. On a meso level, absolutely, social workers need to be in the courtrooms alongside prosecutors who are working with it, who are, who are in these drug courts, because those drug courts exist. And so the social workers should be there and they should, they can offer referrals to treatment, immediate referrals to treatment, inpatient treatment, um, referrals for um, support counseling. If it's a first time offense and they're going, going to do outpatient treatment. But I think that a social, social workers need to be placed in those courtrooms so that there can be options for pe for um, those who are arrested with small amounts of um, drug. And that will reduce the risk of incarceration and reduce this idea of what is con constituted as mass incarceration. On a macro level, do you think that there's anything that social wor workers can do? I think that social workers can also focus on um, like 
obviously reduction of incarceration is a huge problem, but reentry services for those who have been incarcerated would be super important as well and, and increasing what services are available. Just, just to uh, piggyback off Arini, I, I'm, um, I was never really aware of what goes on in halfway houses. Um, I just assumed that because it was called a halfway house, meaning the person's halfway out of the criminal system and you know being re-entered into society, that there would be like several services in the halfway house itself, such as like maybe someone helping them do a resume or like at least Wi-Fi capability. I know someone personally who has just recently um, been released from prison from a drug offense and there's none of that. They don't even have Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no computer room. There's no one. So I said, well, what do you do all day long? They said, we sleep, you know, we talk to other, to our, you know, they talk amongst each other, but I'm like, what, what is, what is getting, I mean, when you get thrown out there to the wolves, what, what is that? That's the halfway place. I had no idea that that was part of their protocol, that there's no, I'm like, what do you, uh, is, is it that they expect them to go on dating sites or they think that they're going to be like looking for women? I'm quite sure these people know that they need to be re-entered into society and they, they want to, you know, acquire jobs, employment, apply for jobs, um, learn how to do resume. And none of that is being offered. None of it. And I'm just, I was like, I was totally floored. So, Again, those are still um, those are still resources for a meso level right. social worker because that's those are, that's community work. I agree with you that halfway houses need to focus more on treatment, and they should be like maybe hosting an NA group at halfway houses, maybe even skill sharing um, opportunities like um, you know writing a resume or yeah. you know any trade school programs and those kinds of things for re-entry in terms of re-entry program, programming. But what can social workers do on a macro level? Um, one of the things right now, Democrats control, for example, like in New York right now, so we could try and see how much um, policy we could get reform itself right now before Republicans take over the next two years again. So this is our time to move, to reform some of these bills itself. Yeah. I think that social workers on the Hill are paramount, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Not because, because everyone on the Hill is not an attorney. I just want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. Social workers on the Hill are part, of this, are, are part of that social justice cycle that we talk about on micro and meso levels. Mm -hmm. We think about, but we need to implement more social workers on the Hill, Definitely. having the conversations and lobbying Mm -hmm. for the communities that we serve. Mm -hmm. I know it's the time. It's blue yeah. right now. And I think that that, and I know that we're going to talk more about resources for local, um, for our local, for local spaces <laughs> or locally. But um, we really also need to just consider and just, this is just a consideration and it's more rhetorical than more to have a conversation with. But just are, you know, are we focusing on the right things? Because now, like we said, the chickens come, have come home to roost. Are we going to hold Biden and Harris to the fire on righting the wrong of those bills that they enacted and um, enforced upon being placed in the positions to do so or, or not? 
And if we have more social workers on the Hill, then they can see, they can have an overview of what's really happening on the micro and meso levels versus just this idea of what's happening. And let's, let's just throw some money at opioid crisis, crises when it affects one population and, and criminalize it when it affects another. Unfortunately, we are running out of time, um, but I did want to make our listeners aware of some resources that are available in terms of reentry. Um, two that I found for New York are Amnesty USA, which um, focuses on primarily on the treatment of women in correctional facilities, but offers protection for people who are um, recently released and the Osborne Association. Um, those can be found at amnestyusa.org and osbornny.org. But there's an entire list by state on lionheart.org of resources that are available for people who have been recently released um, in terms of reentry support. And we will be back next week with another topic. Thank you for listening. Thank you.